Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, May 31st, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. retailers are worried about having enough inventory for year-end holidays. Russia is backing up Belarus big time, and U.S. regulators want to play a bigger role in the cryptocurrency market. And speaking of crypto, the FT's Rob Armstrong admits he's still trying to figure it out. And maybe it's better to think of Bitcoin as equity instead of currency. Let's think of it as a call option on an equity that owns a technology that we're not sure if it's going to be magic or not, but it just might be. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. It's Memorial Day in the U.S., but American retailers are thinking more about Christmas. And they're bracing for historic low inventories amid a surge in consumer demand. Chains like Costco and Dollar Tree warn that port congestion is raising freight costs. Add to that a scarcity of shipping containers and dwindling warehouse space, and it's taking longer for goods to get onto store shelves. Several retailers said on earnings calls last week that they'd accelerate orders to avoid running low on stock. One transportation executive said that we might not see inventory catching up with demand until early next year. Russia yesterday agreed to release $500 million in credit to Belarus. It'll also increase flights between the two countries. Yesterday's move comes after Belarus forced a passenger plane to land in order to seize a dissident journalist. The U.S. and Europe condemned the move and announced sanctions. The reason why Putin, I think, has swung behind Lukashenko so strongly in this current standoff is that they have a common enemy in in the EU and the U.S. That's the FT's Moscow bureau chief, Henry Foy. And also, Putin has been pushing for a while now to uh, deeper integrate the two countries. Uh, Some people have talked of a full-on amalgamation, uh, maybe some kind of federal union state, and a weak Lukashenko is an easier and more malleable Lukashenko. So Putin has seen this, I think, as an opportunity to get close to Lukashenko and to remind him that if he's only got one friend in the world, it's Russia. The EU has banned the Belarus state airline from landing at any EU airports. The U.S. will reimpose sanctions against nine state-owned companies. One question is how much sanctions like these will influence Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus's president, if he has Russia behind him. Financially, we're waiting to see what the EU are going to roll out in addition to those uh, airline sanctions, whether they'll target uh, uh, individuals around uh, Mr. Lukashenko and him himself, which would have minor effect, or if they go after big state-run companies, which sell a lot of their products into the EU. Now, if that happens, it will have a massive effect on on Minsk and on Mr. Lukashenko's finances. The, the economy is still in a very Soviet-esque uh, system. A lot of the big uh, companies are owned by the state and, and, the mass, and the big employers are as well. So big sanctions, if they are passed by the EU, and that's a big if, uh, could really hurt him and bring the economy uh, to a much, much worse position than it is now. Of course, the trade-off there is how much you're hurting ordinary Belarusians. That's Henry Foy. He's the FT's Moscow bureau chief. U.S. authorities are increasingly worried that unregulated cryptocurrency trading could harm investors and savers. So they want to play a more active role in regulating the $1.5 trillion cryptocurrency market. The FT's Gary Silverman says regulators are recognizing they have to catch up with reality. And that really means figuring out exactly what crypto is and is under the law. 
Some cryptocurrencies are considered commodities by regulators. Others are considered securities to supervise crypto trading, to make sure it's fair and not to print fraud, for instance. Someone is going to have to be given a lead role. Gary just interviewed the new acting comptroller of the currency, Michael Sue, who's doing the preliminary work on this. He wants to make sure U.S. regulators are on the same page. And uh, that might sound easy, but it isn't easy in the United States. Uh, in the style of our Madisonian democracy, this country has many layers of regulation. Multiple banking regulators, for instance, as well as regulators for securities and commodities futures exchanges. Uh, to come to an answer on even the simplest questions, uh, say, how much capital would you need to hold against crypto assets? Should there be any such assets at banks? There's going to have to be a lot of discussion in official channels, and Sue is trying to get that process started and to encourage it. That's the FT's U.S. finance editor, Gary Silverman. Now, as governments around the world try to figure out how to regulate currency, many ordinary people are trying to figure out just what it is. That includes the FT's very own Rob Armstrong. Rob writes for the FT newsletter Unhedged, and he suggests that we think of cryptocurrency not as currency, but as equity. Why is it like equity? Well, let's go back even one step before that and say, what is our theory of what makes Bitcoin valuable? And the first answer that most Bitcoin enthusiasts will give is that it is a commodity that has a fixed supply. So there's something like 18 million of them now. There's going to be a maximum of 20-odd million of the things later. And like diamonds and gold, the supply is limited, and therefore scarcity means value will be preserved. That is the argument. But then I have a question which is that there are lots of scarce things that are not particularly valuable. The example I gave is the watercolors, which I painted in high school. Extremely small in number, terrible store of value. So what is it exactly about Bitcoin that makes it valuable? Because scarcity is not quite enough. And my answer to that question is, because we think one day it will be a new and improved kind of money. And Rob, you raised another issue about Bitcoin or, or cryptocurrency in general here. You wrote that in addition to thinking of Bitcoin as equity, we might think of Bitcoin as equity in a company whose only asset is a promising but unproven technology. You know, what, what did you mean by that? I don't think that the technology doesn't work. I think we don't know yet if it does work. Again, my argument is that what makes Bitcoin valuable, other than its scarcity, is that it's going to be a new, improved form of money. It will be a medium of exchange which we can transact seamlessly, quickly, at low cost, without any third-party authority, a government or anyone else, in control. So my argument is we just don't know yet if this thing is really going to be useful as money, and its usefulness as money is what makes it valuable. Its potential usefulness as money is what makes it valuable. So Bitcoin is like equity in a company that makes, I don't know, a hydrogen-powered flying car. It would be really cool if we had hydrogen-powered flying cars. We just don't know if this company is really going to be able to pull it off or not. And so that's why I think it's like a volatile piece of equity that gives you participation 
in a technological revolution that we don't know whether it's going to take off or not. Sure. And I mean, if you think about it like an equity, it does rise and fall at a rate more similar to a stock than, say, the value of a currency, right? You don't see the dollar jumping 30% or falling 30% in one day. You see the dollar drop like a, a few cents a day or go up a few cents a day. This is where the point is maybe a better way to think of it is as a call option on a stock because call options on stocks are even more volatile. They are more volatile in price, especially at moments of great sort of market excitement and speculation. And that's what we've seen in the case of both Bitcoin and call options on tech stocks. Peter Atwater pointed this out to me that if you look at sort of tech stock call option volume on a chart and you look at the chart of Bitcoin, there are actually some similarities between the two. The recent wild spike matches up quite uh, neatly. So I don't think I fully understand what Bitcoin is. I'm not sure anybody else really (laughs) does either. Uh, But what we do know is that it's promising and it's interesting And it is the locus of a lot of wild speculation. And all of that together says to me, let's think of it as a call option on an equity that owns a technology that we're not sure if it's going to be magic or not, but it just might be. And what that technology promises to do at some point down the road is to become, in a way, more like the dollar or the euro. We just don't know if it's there yet. Rob Armstrong writes our unhedged newsletter. We'll have a link to that where you can sign up in the show notes. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. Before we go, some words of candor from the world's largest food company. In a presentation circulated among top executives at Nestle earlier this year and viewed by the FT, the maker of Kit Kats and Nesquik acknowledges that more than 60% of its mainstream food and drinks do not meet a, quote, recognized definition of health. They're not healthy. Products cited include DiGiorno 3 meat croissant crust pizza, which has about 40% of a person's recommended daily allowance of sodium. Hot Pockets pepperoni pizza contains 48% of daily sodium allowance. Now, food companies like Nestle are trying to respond to a global push to promote healthier eating. One professor says that'll be tough, though. Companies have a job to generate money for stockholders, and that means food companies are going to sell products that as many people as possible want to buy. And that means selling a lot of junk food. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. 
Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. 